With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wednesday, August 7th, 2019. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast. And I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado. And we are back for another week of talking sports with a dose of common sense. Hey, happy Wednesday to you. I hope your week is off to a great start. You know, it's not a real busy time of year right now. It's pretty slow, kind of in those dog days of summer. Not a whole lot of holidays just yet. Labor Day will be coming up a little bit later, but not a whole lot going on right now. Just hot and not a lot of sports going on, which makes it kind of rough, at least for a little bit longer. But I do have some good news for you. Maybe you are looking for some sort of event to kind of celebrate. Maybe you are looking for some sort of activity that you can get involved in. I've got something for you this week because this Saturday, August 10th, is National Bowling Day. Yes, how exciting is that? Observed annually on the second Saturday, every single August, National Bowling Day is a celebration of the sport. Hold up. The sport? That doesn't sound right at all. I don't think it's a sport. Maybe game? I'll put it a game. Maybe weird drunken activity? I might throw it in there as well. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. I would put it at kind of bizarre activity that sometimes you do with your friends. Because this Saturday is the celebration of that bizarre activity of bowling. While it is possible, they say that bowling style games existed clear back in ancient civilizations around the world, they say that we probably owe the modern game of bowling to the land of Germany where they use some sort of, I don't know, batons for protection or sport. And they would place those batons at the end of an alley and roll a stone down there and try to knock all the batons down. It was believed by knocking down those batons that their sins would be forgiven. I mean, I guess that's one way to look at things. Of course, then the Catholic Church convinced them that they could forgive their sins if they gave them enough money instead. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding, of course. Sort of. Anyways, bowling was actually featured as a demonstration sport back in 1988 Summer Olympics in Seoul, Korea. Isn't that kind of weird? However, it has never returned to the Olympic Games. And do you know why bowling has never returned to the Olympic Games? I'll tell you. Because it's not a sport. I know that sometimes they will show bowling on ESPN when they have like literally run out of anything else to show. But remember, 
that ESPN is the same station that shows like competitive eating. That's not a sport. And they have the spelling bee as a sport too. That doesn't make it a sport. Remember, the rule of thumb is always the same when we are debating whether or not something is an actual sport. It never changes. The rule is, if you can get better at that activity after a few adult beverages, it can't be a sport. It's at best, I don't know, a game. And kind of an odd game at that when you really think about it. There is no other game you would play where you would put on someone else's warm shoes. That's disgusting. It's kind of like sitting on a warm toilet seat. But hey, Saturday is National Bowling Day. Like I said, if you have literally run out of everything else in life to do, grab your balls and head to your local alley. That's what she said. (laughs) Hey, if you'd like to contact the show, maybe tell us how, I don't know, beer pong is every bit as much of a sport as bowling. We would, for one, tend to agree with you, but we would also love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosports at gmail.com, or go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. If you're looking to ask us a question, maybe give us a comment, maybe give us some feedback for the show. One of the quickest ways to do that is just find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. Maybe you need a little advice. Feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear what you have to say. Also, be sure to stop by tpublic.com and pick up some Daily Dose gear. We do have our Daily Dose t-shirts over there. We've got a couple of different styles. Got a number of different colors that you can pick up. But we've also got Daily Dose hoodies, Daily Dose sweatshirts, laptop covers, coffee mugs, a number of Daily Dose items over there. Make sure you stop by tpublic.com. Search Daily Dose, scroll down until you see our logo, and pick up exactly what you need. Hey, today on the show, we are going to talk about a few breaking news stories that have come out this past week in the world of sports. But then, hey, I told you, football season is coming quickly. We might have to do kind of a pre-NFL preview today. We're not going to do an NFL breakdown. We're not going to do all that. But I've got a few questions for the upcoming NFL season Going to be taking an early look at the NFL today. And of course, as we do most every single week, we will have a Daily Dose Top 5 for you. I have something today that I think you're going to find interesting. Always have to make sure that you tune in for the Daily Dose Top 5. But let's jump into a few stories that have taken place over the last few days. The Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrined eight new members into their halls over the weekend. This year's ceremony enshrined former Denver Broncos cornerback Champ Bailey, Kansas City Chiefs tight end Tony Gonzalez, Baltimore Ravens safety Ed Reed, New England Patriots cornerback Ty Law, New York Jets center Kevin Moai, Denver Broncos owner Pat Bolin, Dallas Cowboys executive Gil Brandt, and Kansas City Chiefs safety Johnny Robinson were all inducted over the weekend. Pretty solid class there. I mean, there are some players there that we can discuss being maybe some of the best ever at their position. Guys like Ed Reed, guys like Tony Gonzalez, you can put them right up in that upper echelon for greatest ever. Of course, the new members that were present tried mostly unsuccessfully to fight back tears as they made their speeches in Canton, Ohio on Saturday night. But here was the thing that kind of caught my eye over the weekend and with all of the Hall of Fame festivities going over the weekend. The Pro Football Hall of Fame officially announced late last week that they will have a special centennial class for the class of 2020. The class is going to include a record 20 enshrinees consisting of five modern era players, 10 senior inductees, three contributors, and two coaches. 
Along with celebrating the league's centennial year, Hall of Fame President David Baker did say earlier this year there is another reason for a much bigger class in 2020. He wants to clear up a backlog of worthy people who have yet to have their careers immortalized in the halls of Canton. Now, I understand we have a number of deserving people that do belong in Canton. They belong in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, guys like Don Coryell, who actually probably won't get much talk, Don Coryell belongs in Canton. Tony Baselli is one of the great offensive linemen ever in NFL history. He belongs there. Safety Troy Polamalu should be in Canton. Head coach Tom Flores, that coached the Raiders for a while, he should be in Canton. Roger Craig should be there. Randy Gratishar, I know it sounds like a homer pick. Randy Gratishar's stats line up at the same or better than Ray Lewis's stats. And Ray Lewis is in, Randy Gratishar is not. I know he's a former Denver Bronco. And yes, I'll admit I'm a Denver Bronco honk. But Randy Gratishar belongs in Canton. Oakland Raiders wide receiver Cliff Branch, who passed away over the weekend, he should be in Canton. So should longtime Minnesota Vikings defensive lineman Jim Marshall. So should NFL Films pioneer Steve Sable. Yes, there are a ton of people that belong in Canton, but 20? 20 in one year? I mean, how elite are you really going to feel when you are one out of 20? And I have to say, these Hall of Fame speeches, ooh, they are brutal. They are tough to sit through. It feels like you're sitting through about four hours at church on Sunday morning. Saturday night was long enough with just eight new members. Can you imagine more than double that number? I don't know if I want to see that. That ceremony is going to go for like 48 solid hours. Are they going to just like start playing music to cue you to kind of wrap it up like they do at those, you know, award shows, Grammy Awards or Oscar Awards or whatever? Lastly, I'd like to thank my teammates for all their love and support throughout my career. You guys were the best. Hey, I know the music's starting, but I love you guys. Uh, Go Jets! I mean, is that what we're going to be getting? It would be kind of odd, wouldn't it? Don't get me wrong. I'd love them to hurry those speeches along. I wouldn't have minded if they would have started playing that music on Saturday night, but I don't know, 20 people. The one thing, I just don't want them to add a bunch of people just for the sake of adding them. Make sure you're adding the best of the best. Finally, late last week, the preseason college football poll has been released, and yes, it came out pretty much exactly like we thought it would. The defending national champion Clemson Tigers will start the season the way they finished last season back in January, right on top of the Amway coaches poll. The Clemson Tigers received 59 of 65 first place votes in that coaches poll that was released late last week, giving them the top spot in the preseason coaches ranking for the first time in school history. Number two, Alabama received the other first place votes. As for the rest of the top five, no surprises. Georgia will start the season at number three. Oklahoma is number four. Ohio State is number five. And still no surprises really in the whole top 10. Number six is LSU, followed by Michigan, Florida, Notre Dame, and the University of Texas. So the Big 10 will lead the way. They have seven ranked teams in the coaches' top 25, followed by the SEC with six, Washington, is actually the highest ranked Pac-12 team at number 12. Among those Power 5 conferences, the ACC has the fewest ranked teams. They only have two teams in it. We've got Syracuse, and of course, they have number one Clemson. No major surprises there. But wow, do we need some new blood in college football, don't we? I mean, this year's preseason, Clemson is number one, Alabama was two. Last year, Alabama was one, Clemson was two. In 2017, 
Alabama was one, and I think Clemson was like five. Going back to 2016, Alabama was one, Clemson was two. Hey, I understand these are golden years for those two universities, but I kind of wonder if maybe college football needs a few new teams to step up. And I know they would never say this, but maybe they need a few teams to step up from somewhere other than the Southeast because the rest of the country, I don't know how much people are truly caring about college football. I'd like to see a little bit of a mix. I would like to see a couple other teams step in and do some damage this year. One final story that we probably need to touch on today and is actually in the world of basketball. I know hoops is like a ways off, but Big Rob sent me a story. I think we have to discuss this, don't we? It seems that former Ohio University star Donnell DJ Cooper has been playing basketball overseas after his collegiate career. And he was going to try out with the Bosnian national team as a naturalized player. A lot of times players do that. Now, Cooper was pretty solid when he played at Ohio University. He averaged 14.5 points a game and almost 7 assists in 4 years with the Bobcats. But he hasn't been able to catch on with an NBA team after he went undrafted. So anyways, our man DJ was playing a little with the Bosnian team and he had applied for citizenship so he could get to work over there and find himself a job. There was just one hurdle. He had to pass a drug test. And apparently, I'm going to go ahead and guess that our boy is smoking a little Bosnian herb because I have a feeling he might have fudged that drug test and he didn't want anyone to know. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. And you know why I would think that? Mostly because his drug test showed he didn't have any drugs in his system. However, it did show that he was pregnant. Oh. Hey, DJ, if you're going to have your girlfriend pee in a cup for you, at least make sure the test isn't going to come back positive for you to be a soon-to-be mother. You know, they say sometimes that the youth right now of today just isn't all that bright. I believe the children are our future. Thank you. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Come on, DJ. Here we thought at a factory like Ohio State they might be fudging grades. Hey, he clearly wasn't having to work for any of his grades at Ohio University either. Hey, coming back, I know that the NFL preseason, well, it kind of got started last week with that awful Hall of Fame game. I mean, I get it. We are so starving for football right now. We will watch a few minutes of these terrible scrimmages. But man, that garbage is tough to watch. But do you realize that right now we are right at a month away from real, regular season NFL games? When we get back, we have a few questions for the upcoming NFL season. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping to do, maybe you have a birthday or an anniversary, or you just want to do some shopping for yourself, you might as well head over to LootCrate.com forward slash Daily Dose for all of the latest pop culture collectibles featuring your favorite TV shows, movies, and video games. August Loot Crate theme is now out, and it's called Legend. Are you destined for greatness? 
Become a legend in your own right with a collection of items celebrating heroes, villains, and the tales of greatness that define them. August Loot Crate theme features items from Power Rangers, Masters of the Universe, The Legend of Zelda, Jurassic World, and She-Ra. But if none of these franchises interest you, remember you can go to Loot Crate and choose from a huge selection of crates, a subscription of crates that will arrive at your house every month, or just go order individual items. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate is when you check out, be sure to enter Daily Dose in the coupon box to get 10% off of your order, just as a thank you for tuning into the Daily Dose every week. Okay, so we had the NFL Hall of Fame game last Thursday, and NFL preseason games are going to really ramp up tomorrow night. Each team is going to have like four of these terrible exhibitions that honestly, they're interesting for like the first 30 seconds. And then we kind of look around and go, uh, bring on real football. This is terrible. I don't know who's playing. You can tell there's no true game plan. You can tell there's no real intricacy to what they're doing. They're just throwing out some vanilla garbage, terrible football. And you can also see in watching these scrimmages that a lot of these young players I know that the players union has pushed back on the league and said, hey, we don't want all this unnecessary practice time. But you can see watching these preseason games, they're not getting enough practice time because a lot of these guys have no idea what they're doing. It is absolutely brutal to watch the preseason. Well, in less than one month, we will have real live regular season NFL games. Hey, it's coming very fast. On Thursday night, September the 5th, the Green Bay Packers will go to Chicago to take on their longtime rivals, those Chicago Bears. That is a fitting start to this 100th NFL season, isn't it? I mean, you've got longtime rivals that have played forever. They're in that black and blue division. I like that. I like that old time rivalry, and I like that we're starting off the season that way. But it's not just that game that week. Then we get some really interesting matchups in week one. I mean, the defending NFC champion Los Angeles Rams will be going to Carolina to face the always tough Panthers. That's a good rivalry game as well. The Indianapolis Colts, who surprised everyone last year, will be playing the Los Angeles Chargers, who are kind of that dark horse Super Bowl candidate. Then the Sunday night game in week one will feature the Pittsburgh Steelers facing the New England Patriots. That's not all. In the week one Monday night game, we get the AFC South winning Houston Texans facing the NFC South winning New Orleans Saints. It's a pretty nice Monday night game. Hey, the 100th NFL season is nearly upon us. And while over the next month or so, we're going to see, you know, player injuries. We're going to see some big plays in the preseason and maybe some twists and turns in the preseason. We're going to see young guys making rosters. We'll probably see some veteran players getting cut that we didn't expect. Today on the Daily Dose, we wanted to take a look at just kind of the broader picture of the upcoming season. I don't want to look at individual teams just yet. We're going to get to all those things in our NFL preview as we do every year. But for now, I just want to discuss a few questions that I have going into this NFL year. It is almost here. And I've got a number of questions for this NFL season as we look at it and you take kind of that broader look just at the entire league, I've got a few questions. I'm going to give you those questions right now. First question I have, and one of the first things that I want to see this year in 2019 is when and how are these off-season holdouts going to end? You know, last year, we saw a few players that were unhappy with their contracts 
they kind of scuttled their team's seasons, didn't they? Could we see that be happening again this year? Right now, the Dallas Cowboys are trying to get running back Ezekiel Elliott into camp. Now, Elliott wants to be the highest paid running back in the league, but the Cowboys have some questions about some of the trouble he's been in off the field. Remember, he did have to serve that suspension last year for some sort of involvement in some sort of domestic violence. Like, we aren't super clear exactly what he got suspended for, but he got suspended for some sort of involvement in domestic violence. But it's not just that. Remember, Ezekiel Elliott still has two years and nearly $13 million left on his rookie deal. Now, I understand he wants to get paid. And he's looking around the league saying, hey, I'm as valuable as any other player in the league. I might be the best running back in the entire league. You need to bump up this contract and make me paid like the top running back in this league. But will Cowboys owner Jerry Jones pony up that big cash? Like I said, there are some questions about Elliott. And the most concerning part is there are questions off the field. Can I trust him to stay out of trouble? But that's not all. Don't forget, Jerry Jones, he needs to get some deals that are a little bit more pressing. He's got to get a deal for quarterback Dak Prescott very soon. He needs to get a deal for wide receiver Amari Cooper very soon. Going to be interesting to see what the Dallas Cowboys end up doing. Then we have the Los Angeles Chargers and their starting running back Melvin Gordon. And they say that Melvin Gordon wants more than $10 million a year. But here's the problem. He is in the fifth year of that contract with the Chargers. And remember, the Chargers have never been a team that just says, hey, you want some more money? We'll give it to you. The Chargers have been notoriously cheap throughout their history. If you want to get paid early, good luck, because the Chargers don't operate that way. They just don't pay guys that already have contracts. Now, Melvin Gordon's agent has now said his guy now wants to be traded. Now, I would think that's just posturing. I don't believe that he really wants to be traded, but I'll tell you something that concerns me. When they go talk to quarterback Phil Rivers, he doesn't say something like, hey, do what needs to get done. We need to get Melvin Gordon in here. No, you know what he says? He says, well, we'll do the best with what we have in camp. We've got some guys here. We'll do our best. That doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement for Melvin Gordon. He has missed some time with injury. And the question that I have is, could this holdout kind of get the charges off to a slow start? You don't want to get too far behind. You know how important some of these early weeks are. Remember when it comes down to the end and you're like, hey, we're hoping for home field advantage. And then you go, oh man, I wish we hadn't lost week three to a nobody team. The Chargers need to take care of business and they need to do it quickly. And then we have the Washington Redskins who are in a contract dispute with starting left offensive tackle Trent Williams. But this is a totally different animal of dispute because Trent Williams says he doesn't care about getting more money. He wants the Redskins training staff to be fired and be removed. He doesn't like how he's been treated while dealing with various injuries. Now, I'm not sure how you fix that. William says he will not report while that training staff is still employed. Washington says they're going to start fining him if he doesn't show up. This could possibly be heading for a trade. Now, I know rookie quarterback Dwayne Haskins is praying, can you please do whatever Trent Williams wants because I want that guy guarding my backside. But you wonder how all these holdouts are going to affect some teams that need these guys in camp. They would be much better off if they get them in camp. Let's see how these get resolved because sometimes these really can trip a team up. Another question that I have for the 2019 NFL season is how will the new rule that pass interference can now be challenged 
via instant replay really look once we get into the season. Did you see that in the Hall of Fame game, by the way? Did you watch that game? It was the Broncos and the Falcons. And we actually saw this new rule getting played. The refs reviewed a pass interference call. And the quote from the ref was, there was no evidence of hindrance on the play. So they waved it off. Ugh. Why does the NFL keep coming up with these dumb little phrases? I don't understand why they keep doing this. Remember the whole completed the catch through the contact with the ground or whatever that stupid thing was. Now we have, there was no evidence of hindrance. Oh, please stop. Now, I think with this new rule, we're going to see a couple things. I think for one, we are going to see teams that are in trouble. Maybe they're in a down and distance situation that they don't feel like they can get out of. Or maybe it's a late game scenario and they need some sort of help. I think you're going to see teams kind of throw up some Hail Marys and say, hey, was there evidence of hindrance there? Because if there was, you've got to reward us with a flag. I also think we could see something else. And I think it's something the NFL has not looked ahead at and kind of thought about. I think we could see this. I think we could see offensive pass interference penalties have to go way up because when they review it, how many times during a game do we see the offensive player totally push off? He makes the catch. There's no call. If you go to replay, you're going to be able to see that receiver totally pushed off the defensive back. And now if there is evidence of hindrance, you're going to have to go back and call that. I think the NFL might have bid off more than they can chew here. I don't like this rule. I think it was an overreaction by the league after the NFC championship game. And I bet the NFL ends up regretting it. I think you're going down a very slippery slope here. I think this new pass interference rule could end up being a problem. Another question that I have this year, and that is what are last year's players that were kind of, you know, the malcontents on their teams? What are they going to do this year? Because now they're back this year. Remember, running back Le'Veon Bell sat out the entire season last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was holding out for a new deal. Well, he got it. He got a four-year, $52.5 million deal with the New York Jets. So now what? He flips the switch and just goes out and plays super hard every single week. He's going to go back to being one of the top running backs in the league again, right? I mean, that's what you're paying him to do. You're looking at Le'Veon Bell and saying, okay, we saw what you used to do at Pittsburgh. We ponied up big money. You sat out the year. We fully expect you to come in here with the New York Jets and you run over the entire league and go back to being that player that you were two years ago. Hey, there's no question about Le'Veon Bell's talent. There is a lot of question about his desire and about how much he really wants to play. I want to see what a guy like Le'Veon Bell does this year. He's not the only one. Prior to last season, remember, Jacksonville Jaguars cornerback Jalen Ramsey did a lot of trash talking. He was just kind of offering up his opinions on which quarterbacks are good, which quarterbacks are garbage. He did a lot of running at the mouth. And then he was terrible. And the Jags went 5-11. and 11. Can Jalen Ramsey and the Jacksonville Jaguars prove they weren't actually just kind of a weird flash in the pan two years ago? Because right now, that's what it looks like. And then he shows up this year for training camp in a Brinks truck, in the armored car. What is Jalen Ramsey doing? Just go play. Just be quiet. Just go play. You're a talented player, I, I think. Just stop talking so much. Another player I want to keep an eye on. You might remember Seattle Seahawks safety Earl Thomas holding out last year. He did finally show up once the season started, but he had missed the entire Seattle Seahawks preseason. After they started finding him, he finally came in. 
Then, in week four, Earl Thomas broke his leg, and as they carted him off the field, he flipped off the entire Seahawks organization. Well, Earl Thomas is now with the Baltimore Ravens. Does Earl Thomas have anything left? Is he still a quality safety? Can he still be a playmaker back there? Going to be interesting to watch Earl Thomas. Finally, we have wide receiver Antonio Brown, who skipped practice prior to the Pittsburgh Steelers' final regular season game of the year last year. So the Steelers benched Antonio Brown. He asked to be traded. They shipped him off to Oakland. So he's going to be all better now, right? I mean, Antonio Brown got what he wanted. Everything is better. He's going to be happy in Oakland, right? That's what this was all about. Except he isn't getting off to a good start. He's already started not showing up to practice. He didn't let the team know. And then he like posted a picture of his blistered feet on Instagram. And he said, hey, I'm getting in touch with a doctor. They're going to work on my feet and try to get me back in. But again, you're not taking care of business. You're being a distraction. Don't forget, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell especially... You had it pretty good in Pittsburgh. We're going to see this year. What are you going to do now on a new team? And a team that might not be quite as talented. I'm going to be very interested to see what these guys do this year. Another question I've got for the NFL this year. Going into the season, we have a few teams that have some pretty high expectations. But here's the thing. They are teams that might not be used to dealing with those high expectations. We've talked about it before, but the Cleveland Browns, are one of the favorites right now to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC. Hey, I realize they have some talent. I realize it looks like they have their franchise quarterback in Baker Mayfield. They go out, they pick up Odell Beckham Jr. They have more talent than they have had in years back in Cleveland. But here's something to keep in mind. The Cleveland Browns start this NFL season, the regular season, with the Tennessee Titans at home, and then... They go to New York to face the Jets. Those both need to be wins, right? The schedule is going to ramp up significantly after that. If they don't get those first two wins, could you see them maybe stumble against a couple other worthy teams? Could you see their season kind of start to get away? It's very different when everyone is just happy to say, hey, the Browns won, rather than, hey, we expect you to win this week. You're supposed to win this week. Can you get it done with expectations? It's not just the Cleveland Browns. We also have the Indianapolis Colts, who surprised everyone last year with a healthy Andrew Luck. Finally, the Colts went 10-6. and They made it all the way to the AFC Divisional Playoffs. They picked up a few more very good pieces for that team this offseason. So the Colts should be a contender, right? I mean, they're going to be very, very good again this year, right? But I'm telling you right now, that schedule is very challenging. Want to see how the Colts are going to do. And then you have the aforementioned Dallas Cowboys. Most everyone's pick to win the NFC East. But like we already talked about, they have that Ezekiel Elliott issue. Could we see some of these teams with those high expectations get out of the gate a little bit slow and then kind of look around and start feeling the pressure and start to kind of drop back because they're sitting there saying, oh, we were supposed to win this game. We can't afford to lose this game. And then they lose it. And then they're facing a big time team and then they lose that. And all of a sudden you're on a two or a three game losing streak. The season's getting away. High expectations and pressure can do some very strange things to teams, especially young teams, especially teams that aren't used to winning. Sometimes it can get to your head 
and it can cause you to lose games that you have no business losing. Another question that I have going into this 2019 season is which quarterbacks are actually going to be healthy this year? I mean, it seems like every single year we are seeing quarterbacks leaving with injuries. Doesn't it seem like every team eventually kind of look at, okay, who's their backup? Oh man, they might need him. I hope they don't need him, but they might need him. Going into the season, which quarterbacks are actually going to be 100%? I'll show you what I'm talking about. Carolina Panthers quarterback Cam Newton had off-season surgery for a torn rotator cuff. That was back in January. Now, I know they are saying, hey, Cam Newton's throwing. Cam Newton looks good. He's getting the ball down the field. Everything's coming back together. Shoulder looks strong. Everything should be fine in Carolina. For one, I'm telling you right now, just from a personal standpoint, I can't imagine throwing a football and all those things right now, but maybe that's just me. But here's the thing. He might be throwing right now, but throwing is such a small part of what Cam Newton does. It's not just the throwing. Yes, if he dropped back in a perfectly clean pocket every time and just threw the ball, he probably would be fine. But that's not the case. That's not how that's going to go. He's going to be asked to run the ball. He's going to get pressure. He's going to get hit. That shoulder is going to get landed on by 300 pounders. That's not going to be fun. And it's not just the hits and the hurries and the sacks. More importantly, what about his head? Does he start to step up and feel that pressure and say, oh, I got to get rid of this thing because I don't want to get hit in the shoulder again? Does he start throwing the ball before he should? Does he start making mistakes because he's just trying to hurry because he doesn't want to get hit in that shoulder again and have something go wrong? Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers, we're going to have to watch and see, is he truly 100% healthy? And if not, Carolina could be in trouble. You know, last year we talked about it just before. We finally saw a healthy Andrew Luck for the Indianapolis Colts. And big surprise, the Colts looked like a contender once again. Andrew Luck was dealing with a shoulder problem for a number of years. They couldn't get it right. He kept being hurt. He sat out a full season. They just couldn't get Andrew Luck right. They finally build up the offensive line. They finally get him some help. He comes out and he looks like the quarterback that we originally thought he was. He just hadn't been healthy. But already in the preseason, we are hearing that Andrew Luck has an ankle injury and it won't go away. An ankle injury? I mean, Yes, you can get like a high ankle sprain and that can kind of stick around for a while, but an ankle injury that won't go away? The last time I heard that story, Kevin Durant ended up flopping and twitching with a torn Achilles on the floor of the NBA Finals. Makes me a little nervous. I'm not saying that's what it is with Andrew Luck, but I mean, it does. It makes me a little bit nervous. I hope Andrew Luck is 100%. Finally, it's not just Cam Newton and Andrew Luck though. Remember, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, he had that knee issue last year. Is he okay? The Philadelphia Eagles seem like they always have to be careful with their quarterback, Carson Wentz. We just don't know when he's healthy. The Denver Broncos now have Joe Flacco, and he's had a number of health concerns the last few years. Hip and back and knee. Joe Flacco has been banged up. Is he truly good to go now? The San Francisco 49ers, they are still waiting to see their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, play any stretch of games because it seems like he's been hurt ever since they signed him. A healthy quarterback for a number of these teams is going to be very, very important this year, but it's kind of hard to tell who is truly going to be healthy 
you've got a lot of guys that are already banged up and the season hasn't even started yet. Want to keep an eye on who's actually healthy. Speaking of quarterbacks, we have a number of very young quarterbacks. And again, we talked about it before that have some very high expectations. Hey, the Cleveland Browns faithful, like it or not, they are already making playoff reservations. How is Baker Mayfield going to look this year? I really like Baker Mayfield, but I promise you, opposing teams are putting together game plans to counter what he did last year. How is he going to adapt and still be able to have success? Gonna have to see what Baker Mayfield does this year. The New York Jets saw a few bright spots from their rookie quarterback, Sam Darnold, last year, but they also saw a lot of concerns. They also saw a number of things that they were like, oh no, did we miss out on this guy? Like we had a once in a lifetime kind of chance. We drafted a guy with a really top pick. Is he really the guy? Because sometimes he looks like the guy and sometimes he doesn't even look close. Who is the real Sam Darnold? We might get a better idea this year. The Baltimore Ravens let Joe Flacco go to Denver because they were all in on rookie Lamar Jackson. Hey, he is a phenomenal athlete. But we saw in the playoffs defenses took away his run and forced him to pass it. Lamar Jackson really, really struggled. Can he be a pocket passer if a defense forces him to do that? Like if they just drop back and say, hey, we're not going to let you run. We're going to keep you back there. Can he prove that he can pick teams apart? I'm not sure. We're going to have to see what Lamar Jackson does. The Houston Texans won the AFC South last year and a good portion of their success is directly due to to quarterback Deshaun Watson. I really like Deshaun Watson. And it's not always pretty. But Deshaun Watson finds ways to win. But can he do it again this year? And more importantly, can Deshaun Watson stay out of harm's way and avoid some of those big hits? You don't need to take those huge hits. You will end up being the next Robert Griffin if you keep taking those huge hits. We won't know what team you're even on. You'll be like a backup somewhere. We have no idea. Deshaun Watson, can you tweak your game enough that you can say, hey, I'm going to stay healthy. Yes, I could pick up an extra two yards, but I might lose an additional two games. I'll just step out of bounds and keep myself clean. Can Deshaun Watson take that next step? What about the Buffalo Bills who are also looking for their young quarterback, Josh Allen, to maybe put them back into playoff contention? Hey, Josh Allen last year, again, showed some interesting things. I don't know if they were great. Hey, he's a good runner. Got to see if he can actually throw the ball. Can he be a good enough passer when the teams again back out and say, we're not going to let you run. You can't run. You've got to beat us with your arm. Going to see if he can do that. The NFL this season has some very talented young quarterbacks, but we've got some quarterbacks with a lot on their plate this season. I want to see if they're good enough to step up, take control and take their team to the next level. Going to be interesting to watch. You know, every year in the NFL, it seems like there is one team that is happy with the way their season ended. And then there are 31 other teams that were left disappointed with how their season ended. Understandably, only one team raises a Super Bowl trophy, right? But some of the teams that were disappointed, some of them, it wasn't just disappointment. Like they have to deal with a little more than just a loss. I mean, some of them were devastating losses. What about the New Orleans Saints? Remember, in the NFC Championship game, leading 13 to nothing at home, they allow the Los Angeles Rams to come back and beat them on their home field. Yes, we all know the Rams got a little bit of help from the referees, but remember, the Saints couldn't get it done with the season on the line. How do the Saints bounce back? Because I know 
we'll just kind of pencil them in. Well, yeah, but they're going to be good again this year. Will they? Will that come back to haunt them at all? Which team is the real Saints team? The first half team in that NFC Championship game that was up 13 to nothing? Or the second half team and the overtime team that we saw couldn't really do much of anything? I'm not sure. I kind of want to see though. And let's not forget about those Rams. Because yes, they found a way to win the NFC Championship. But wow, did the Rams hit a brick wall in that Super Bowl? Holy cow. I know we've been hearing about this young genius in their head coach, Sean McVay. But my goodness, the Patriots held that vaunted Rams offense to just 260 yards and three points. That Super Bowl kind of made us all look at quarterback Jared Goff like, are we sure he's really that good? I know everyone's talking like he's the next coming, but are we sure? Because he didn't do anything in that game. I mean, he did nothing in that game. I'm not so sure about Jared Goff now. Yes, he's got a big arm. Doesn't seem like he always makes the best decisions. Doesn't seem like he's always that accurate. Can he bounce back from the way he finished last year? Because it wasn't good the way he finished last year. And the Rams are going to need to rebound from that. They are on kind of a do or die season this year. You know, both the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings were disappointments last year. Both teams were considered to be Super Bowl contenders, but the Steelers went 9-6-1. and Talked about it before. They had a number of those chemistry issues. They had a number of internal issues and they failed to even make the playoffs. The Baltimore Ravens took that NFC North spot. They didn't even get to the postseason. Then you had the Vikings who had nearly gone to the Super Bowl back in 2017. So they added quarterback Kirk Cousins. Hey, he's going to put us over the top. Yeah, except they went just eight, seven, and one. And again, the Vikings didn't make the postseason. Now, how do these two teams, the Vikings and the Steelers, come back this year? Because both of them are kind of being written off by most experts. Like right now, when you go out and you hear who are the teams everyone's talking about the NFL, there's not that many people saying, hey, I think the Steelers are really going to bounce back. No. I don't think you're going to hear a whole lot of experts saying, I'm taking the Vikings this year. How are those teams going to bounce back from what had to be brutally disappointing years? I'll be interested to see both these teams. And you know what I want to see? I want to see how both of these coaches rally their teams. What do they bring to the table? And then we have the Chicago Bears who went 12-4 and last year. They were hosting a playoff game that they were favored to win. And then they let the Philadelphia Eagles come back, take the lead. And of course, the Bears missed that 43-yard field goal to win it at the end. They don't just get the doink. They get the double doink off the post and off the crossbar. Can the Bears get back on track after that heartbreaker? Hey, some teams lose. Some teams lose in dramatic fashion. And you wonder if it's going to mess with their heads going into this year. Sounds easy. It sounds like, well, you just come back. You just come back this next year and we just do it again and we do it a little bit better. It's not easy though, because you don't get to restart in that playoff game or in that last game of the season. You have to start from the beginning and you have to work your way and stay healthy all the way back to that point. Hey, that's tough. Want to see how some teams respond this year in the NFL. Now, I know that this is a completely different era in the NFL. The playing field is completely tilted in favor of the offenses and particularly in favor of the quarterbacks. But how long are we going to see some of these older quarterbacks keep playing at such a high level? Because, hey, we have never seen anything like this in the history of the league. New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady just won his sixth Super Bowl. 
Brady is 42 years old. That's insane. New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees became just the fourth quarterback in NFL history, along with Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, and Tom Brady to throw 500 career touchdown passes last season. Brees is set to become 41 in January. Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Phil Rivers finally led the Chargers to a playoff win this year. I had no idea it was even possible. Rivers is nearly 38. Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. Do you realize he threw for an incredible 5,000 yards last year? That's insane. Ben is turning 38 very soon. Like I said, I know this is a different era. But at some point, these guys have to kind of show their age, don't they? Can they all just play like this until they're, what, 45? Do they play like this until they're 50? I wouldn't think so. But could this be the year we start to see one or two of these guys maybe take a step back and go, oh, yeah, he might be human. He's starting to show his age a little bit. It has to happen at some point. Maybe this is going to be the year. Okay, I have two more questions. And every single year, these are the same two questions that I have. And the first one is always interesting to kind of watch and keep an eye on. Which of the playoff teams from last year are going to fall back into the pack this year? I want you to think about this. Last year in the AFC, we saw the New England Patriots, who, of course, play in that AFC East. They have a pretty easy path. They should be fine. But then you had the Baltimore Ravens make the playoffs. I do think they have some obstacles. You have the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. They both came out of the AFC South. Can they both do it again? And then you have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers representing the AFC West. Hey, statistically, not all those teams are going to make it again. Who's going to drop back? Then over in the NFC, you have the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles coming out of the NFC East. You have the Chicago Bears out of the NFC North. You have the New Orleans Saints winning the NFC South. And then you have the Los Angeles Rams and a sneaky wildcard Seattle Seahawks team coming out of the NFC West. Once again, all these teams will not make the postseason again, at least statistically. So who drops out? There are a few candidates there that I could kind of look at and say, I don't know if they're going to make it this year. Which team kind of drops back and man, they're not even a playoff team. What happened to them? They looked so good last year. What happened? Going to keep an eye on which teams are going to struggle this year that were in the playoffs last year. Finally, the last question that I have going into this 2019 NFL season, which teams that didn't make those playoffs last year are going to step up and bump those other ones out? I mean, Think of some of the teams that were sitting home last year watching the NFL playoffs on TV like the rest of us. Some teams that are used to playing late into January, sometimes maybe just luckily into February. The Pittsburgh Steelers, of course, were sitting at home watching the postseason on the television. The Minnesota Vikings, they've been pretty solid lately. They were sitting at home. You have to think one of those teams steps up, don't you? The Atlanta Falcons. We're at home for the postseason last year. Can the Falcons get back on track? What about those Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton? The Cleveland Browns, who of course have those high expectations. Could they get a playoff spot this year? What about my hometown Denver Broncos? They're not used to sitting home for the postseason. They haven't made the playoffs in the last two years. What about a team like the Tennessee Titans? Or maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars? Over in the NFC, you have the always dangerous Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. What about maybe like a surprise team? like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Bruce Arians. Could he maybe pull some strings and get that team playing well? The Buffalo Bills are going to be scrappy. The New York Jets are hoping to make the postseason. Again, this happens every single season. Last year, as we were at this same point, 
No one was looking at the Seattle Seahawks and saying, hey, they're going to the postseason. That's a playoff team. We're all kind of looking at Seattle going, I don't know. They might take a step back. They've lost a lot of people on both sides of the ball. Can they protect Russell Wilson? I don't know. I don't think Seattle is going to be a playoff team. The Los Angeles Chargers, they don't ever do anything. They don't ever win postseason games. They did both last year. No one was expecting that. And then you had the Indianapolis Colts again. No one saw that coming. We're all looking at Andrew Luck and saying, he's not healthy. For whatever reason, the shoulder, I don't know if it's the head. Maybe he's just kind of come back to earth. He's not the guy we all thought he was. Last year, no one was expecting the Indianapolis Colts to be a playoff team. They were, and they were pretty good. There are teams every year we didn't see them coming. They get on a roll. They get some confidence. Maybe they stay healthy. Maybe they get a little bit lucky. But every single year, we see teams that weren't in the playoffs one year. The next year, not only do they make the postseason, they're kind of in the thick of it. They're kind of a contender. Who is that going to be this year? It's going to be a lot of fun to keep an eye on and watch which team is going to step up this year. Okay, coming back. We have talked a little today about the NFL quarterbacks of this era already. And there is always, it seems... Like a constant conversation about who are the greatest quarterbacks of all time. We've talked about that here on The Dose. Well, I think maybe, just maybe, I have figured out a way once and for all to settle who the greatest quarterbacks of all time truly are. We're going to put my theory to the test when we get back in our Daily Dose Top 5. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, as we do every week, we need to get to our Daily Dose Top 5. There seems to be constant arguments these days as we try to come up with the greatest all-time players in the history of sports. I mean, you look at golf. Is Tiger Woods better than Jack Nicklaus was? Is LeBron James better than Michael Jordan was? Was Michael Jordan even the greatest ever? And who in the world is the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL? But you know, it's hard to determine these things, isn't it? I mean, comparing eras, it's so, so difficult. Hey, Drew Brees can't be touched these days. And you can't touch his wide receivers. Then again, the precision that Drew Brees throws with, I mean, that would be amazing in any era. Could he compete when you could knock his head off and land on top of him? I don't know. Tom Brady has won six Super Bowls. He must be the greatest quarterback ever. But we've talked about that here on The Dose before. We only use that when it fits our narrative. I mean, sometimes we value Super Bowls. Sometimes we don't. I mean, who would you rather have, Mark Rippon or Dan Marino? One has a title, the other doesn't. But are you going to take Rippon? Yeah, me neither. So how in the world can we actually figure out who the best quarterback is in NFL history? Well, I came up with an idea. We're going to put that idea to the test today. We have one statistic in football, and it is called the NFL passer rating. See, before the development of the passer rating, the NFL kind of struggled 
with who the greatest quarterback was. So they picked a number of different statistics. I mean, back in the mid-30s, the NFL basically said the quarterback with the most passing yardage is the best quarterback. Then from 1938 to 1940, they said, okay, the quarterback with the highest completion percentage is the best quarterback. Then in 1941, a system was created that ranked the league's quarterbacks relative to their peers' performance. But the ranking system made it impossible to determine a quarterback's rank until all the other quarterbacks were done playing that week. So all that stuff was kind of confusing. It was hard to compare quarterback performances across different seasons. That made it confusing. And over the next 30 years, the criteria used to crown a passing leader has changed a number of times. We've seen a lot of different formulas. We've seen some stick. We've seen some go away. So back in 1971... NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle asked the league's statistical committee to develop a better quarterback rating system. So, the modern quarterback passer rating system was established. Now, the NFL passer rating formula includes four different variables. They look at completion percentage, which is somewhat important. They look at yards per attempt, which a lot of times can be very important. They look at touchdowns per attempt, and they look at interceptions per attempt. Now, We still use that formula created back in 1971 to calculate who the top passers are in the NFL every single year. That is the quarterback passer rating. So what I was thinking this week is we can figure out who the greatest quarterback is of all time. If we just feed in all the career stats into this formula, it's going to tell us who the best quarterbacks are in the history of the league, isn't it? It has to. That's what it is designed to do. So today, our Daily Dose Top 5 is going to count down the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Well, sort of. And today, we're actually going to do something we've never done before in the history of the Daily Dose. We are going to start with the number one entry and count down to number five. Are you ready right now to find out who the greatest quarterbacks of all time are? Hey, there's no question here. This is the rating system we use to rank passers. We use career passer rating. It's foolproof. We're going to find out right now who the greatest quarterbacks are in the history of the NFL. Let's get started. Coming in at number one in the history of the National Football League with a career passer rating of 103.1. Hey, he's one of the most talented quarterbacks ever. No question about that. I mean, What can't this guy do? He has one of the biggest arms in the history of the game. He can move in the pocket. He can take off and run. He can hurt you there. He is a seven-time Pro Bowler. He even has a Super Bowl ring. In his career, our number one quarterback of all time has an incredible 338 touchdowns. He has just 80 interceptions. That's insane. His completion percentage is also insane. In his 14-year NFL career, he has completed 64.8% of his passes. And I'll add this in. He's done it a lot of times without a whole lot of help. I'm telling you, this formula might work. It just might. Our number one NFL quarterback of all time is Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Hey, there are those right now who say Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. Look at what he can do physically. He's so, so good. 
Hey, so far so good today on our list. Career passer rating is telling us who the greatest quarterback is of all time. Aaron Rodgers comes in at one. That makes perfect sense. Okay, next up at number two, well, we might have a little bit of a hole in our theory here of being able to find the greatest quarterback of all time just looking at career passer rating because our next guy, I'll say this, he's not a bad quarterback. He might right now be the most dangerous quarterback in the league today, especially in those late game situations. And he is building a solid resume. The problem with our number two guy, he's only been in the league for seven years. So it's probably a little early to be putting this guy on our list to have him at number two, the number two quarterback of all time. I don't know. That seems kind of high for me, but Seattle Seahawks quarterback, Russell Wilson, he has a career passer rating of 100.3. That does rank him number two all time among quarterbacks in NFL history. Hey, like I said, there's no denying. Wilson is on his way to being a great career NFL quarterback. In his seven-year career, he has already thrown for over 25,000 yards. He has 196 touchdowns, and he's only thrown 63 interceptions. His completion percentage, a little over 64%. Wilson does have that one Super Bowl victory back in 2013. And yes, he also has one of the worst Super Bowl interceptions of all time the very next year. He kind of gets a pass on that. I'm not exactly sure why. But Russell Wilson is a guy that as a defense, when that game is getting tight at the end, yeah, he's going to make you really, really nervous to face him because he can hurt you so many ways. And it just seems like late in games, Russell Wilson finds ways to make plays. He's so dangerous. Is he the second best quarterback in history? No, not yet. Maybe someday. I mean, we'll wait and see. Not sure I like this just yet, but Russell Wilson comes in at number two. Next up, we come to our number three entry for greatest quarterback of all time. And I can see this guy being in that conversation. His completion percentage is absolutely insane. He's just so incredibly accurate. Coming in at number three, we have New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees with a 97.7 career quarterback passer rating. Yeah, I think it's safe to say quarterback passer rating clearly favors the more modern day quarterbacks, right? Of course. Breeze is putting his name in the conversation for best ever though. I mean, he has NFL records for career pass completions with over 6,000 with career completion percentage at 67.3%. He's thrown for over 74,000 yards in his career and he is second in career touchdown passes with 520. Drew Brees is a 12-time Pro Bowler. He does have that Super Bowl win. He did it in New Orleans, which is pretty impressive. The one knock I guess I would put on Drew Brees, he does have a tendency at times to force the ball where he shouldn't. He's thrown a lot of interceptions. Drew Brees has 233 interceptions in his 18-year career, and we were reminded of that back in that NFC Championship game last year against the Rams. Yes, the Saints were robbed on that missed pass interference call, but don't forget... The New Orleans Saints had the opening possession in overtime. Go score a touchdown, and we all forget the missed pass interference play, right? But instead, Drew Brees throws an interception. The Rams go on to beat the Saints. Everyone's crying that the Saints got robbed. Is Drew Brees one of the greatest ever? Sure. Is he top five worthy? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. But according to the quarterback passer rating, he comes in at number three, so that's where we have him right now. Let's move on to number four. There might be some disputes about our number four injury being this low, though. Because 
He does have a pretty impressive resume, but there's no question he is in the conversation for greatest quarterback ever. I mean, come on. He has six Super Bowl rings. Yes, our number four entry is none other than New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. He comes in with a 97.6 passer rating, and he actually just signed a two-year contract extension on Sunday that is going to pay him 23 million bucks this season. Hey, it's no wonder. Brady is so good in the clutch. He is so cool under pressure, and he plays in an era and a system that are perfectly suited to his strengths. Brady has some crazy career numbers. After sitting behind Drew Bledsoe in that rookie season, he took over. He now has over 70,000 yards. He has 517 touchdowns. He's completed 64% of his passes. Tom Brady has a knack for making sometimes kind of average looking receivers look really, really good when they're playing with him. And while I know that most of the sports world immediately just puts Tom Brady on top of the all-time quarterback list, I do struggle with that idea a little bit. He's been great in this era. I have no idea how he would be in other eras. I have no idea how he would be with another coach. He's played his entire career in the Bill Belichick system. Could Tom Brady have won six Super Bowls playing for the 1970s New Orleans Saints like Archie Manning? Yeah, I doubt it. Could a quarterback like, say, a Ken Anderson or a Dan Marino, who never won a Super Bowl, have been highly successful in this era with that Bill Belichick system? Yeah, I think so. Is Brady one of the all-time great quarterbacks? No question about that. He comes in today at number four. Okay, so far, our list of greatest quarterbacks in the history of ever, we have at number one, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, we have Russell Wilson. Number three is Drew Brees. And number four is Tom Brady, according to their passer rating. Now, maybe I don't agree with this list 100%, but it's not the worst list I've ever seen, is it? Okay, so who comes in at the number five spot to fill out this list and really prove that career quarterback passer rating is a pretty good way to rank quarterbacks coming in as the number five greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL? Five. We have... Tony Romo? What? Seriously? Tony Romo is the fifth highest ranked quarterback ever in passer rating? What insane formula is this? Did they like forget to carry the two? (laughs) Tony freaking Romo has a 97.1 career quarterback passer rating. Now to be fair, Romo did complete 65% of his passes. He threw 248 touchdowns. Yes, he was just 2-4 and in the postseason. And he never even made it past the divisional round of the playoffs. He wasn't always the most clutch with, like, the game on the line, you know? Yeah, I'm not sure if Tony Romo belongs in the top 50, let alone the top 5, for the record. A few guys that came in after the illustrious Tony Romo. At number 6, we have Steve Young. Peyton Manning comes in at number 7. Here's one for you. Kirk Cousins comes in at number nine, while Joe Montana is number 13. Andy Dalton, number 19. Dan Marino, number 30. Kyle Orton is number 62. And John Elway is number 75. Yeah, never mind. The quarterback passer rating needs to be scrapped and completely redone. This list is terrible. You have my humble apologies. I'm not sure you can just go off of statistics alone when we rate all-time grades. Whether it's Super Bowls, whether it's passer rating, whether it's, I don't know, shooting percentage or majors one. Sometimes these athletes 
have to pass the eye test first and foremost. And sometimes we tend to forget that. We get these numbers involved. We say, Tom Brady won six. He has to be the best. Sometimes you have to take a little bit of a closer look and look a little bit beyond those stats. And when you look at some of these guys with the eye test, it does change your perspective quite a bit. Hey, next week on The Dose, I know we talked a lot about NFL quarterbacks today. We're actually going to continue that a little bit next week. We are going to be talking about some quarterbacks that could be feeling some serious pressure this season. Plus, of course, we'll have breaking news and we will have a Daily Dose Top 5 for you. So you know you have to tune in for that. Hey, I have to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening to The Daily Dose every week. Thank you for the emails. Thank you for the texts. Thank you for the tweets. But more than anything... Thank you so much for sharing the show. We love it when you do that. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. Have a great week, everybody. I will see you all next Wednesday. Tony Romo? Did they, like, forget to carry the two?